Blog Talk Radio. Every year, millions of Americans are exposed to a contagious virus. What is this virus? It's stigma. Stigma promotes an environment of shame, fear, and silence, which prevents millions of people from seeking help. But there's good news. The National Alliance on Mental Illness believes stigma towards mental illness is 100% curable. So do yourself and everyone a favor. Go to CureStigma.org and get tested for stigma. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to a special edition of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And you can also listen to us now on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, iTunes, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. Well, this evening, wow, not only is she beautiful, she's talented, she has worked with some of the top names in the business. You might have seen her in some spikely joints, like She's Gotta Have It. She got, uh, you might have seen her on The Punisher. You might have seen her on Baywatch in a nice bathing suit. Um, you also <laughs> might have seen her recently on Epic's Godfather of Harlem show. This is Ilfanesh Hadera. Good evening. Good evening, Joy, and thank you for the very, very kind and generous introduction. Well, I have a little surprise for you. I want to say um, salam and merhaba, if I said it correctly. Wow. <laughs> Do you have some Ethiopian friends? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, have, I have guests from all over the globe. I've had people from Kenya, from South Africa, from the Netherlands, from Brazil. I think it's important to try to, you know, respect where they're coming from. And um, I also want to say, um, the book, Layla, I think it's nice, nice to meet you. Well, you know, now you're, now you're probably more fluent than I am. I'm, a, I'm afraid to admit if my father was oh. listening to it. I know, I know. You know, I, I went to, I was in Ethiopia, in northern Ethiopia, um, where my dad is from in Tigray about a year and a half ago. And we were doing some interviews at, at um, my mom and dad run a few clinics there. And, uh, I sat down for an interview just to kind of promote the work they're doing. And, you know, the journalist who was interviewing me promised, she's local, promised, promised not to um, to ask me anything in Tigrinya, which is the, the local language there. And, of course, at the end, she just couldn't help herself, and I was completely stumped and embarrassed. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, that's that's about it for me. I'm not going to tell you anything else. <laughs> um, but I, I just wanted to put that in there. Um Tell the audience about your parents' organization. It's the African Services Committee, correct? Yes, it is. It is. It's called African Services. Um, my father founded it in, in 1981. He um, he fled to the United States, to New York, um, when the what was going on in Ethiopia at the hands of the then dictator Mengistu um, forced him to flee the country as a student and an activist. And, you know, he came to, to New York and found that there was really little infrastructure in place to help um, people like himself. So with the help of my mother, who joined the organization a few years later, um, you know, they grew to provide services and uh, mostly free of charge services, um, you know, for recently arrived uh, immigrants, refugees, those trying to find their place here in uh, in New York and Harlem specifically. So, you know, uh, legal aid and, um, you know, housing, job placement, HIV AIDS testing, counseling, really a whole, a whole slew of services. Um, 
and then and then expanded a few years back to operate a few clinics in Ethiopia. Yeah, I was reading about the area and the conflict that's going on over there. I think the services that your father is providing are probably really needed at this moment in time because of, you know, what's happening. Um, I'm glad that, you know, he's still able to continue. You know, sometimes people start organizations and, you know, because they're nonprofits, they don't get enough money, but it seems like it's doing well. So that's a really good thing. For yeah, here. sure. You know, it's, it's, a, it's always, a, you know, a little bit of a struggle in the nonprofit world, finding funding. You have a, a grant that lasts five years and you think that's forever and then it looks, you know, it looks like five years is up and you, you wonder how you're going to fund this, this, um, the, their programs. But, yeah, the situation in Ethiopia right now is, is really dire um, with many hospitals and clinics being looted. Luckily, you know, by the grace of God, they've been able to remain operational. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's really heartbreaking what's going on there right now. Well, let's talk about the Godfather of Harlem that's uh, on returning April 18th, 9 p.m. Eastern on Epics, and you play Mamie Johnson. And um, I was reading that the real Mamie didn't like how the other uh, Bumpy Johnson was in American Gangster. Um, did you have a chance to you, you read the book um, that she wrote? Um, how did you do research for your character? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm so lucky. You know, so many people well are not lucky enough when they're doing research uh, on a character to have the written word or even documentation. There's not a whole lot of footage of Mamie, but but her book was just like you know wealth of knowledge on on Mamie the woman, um, and she's she's really incredible and you know doesn't mince words so. She was very clear about her feelings, like you know, as you know, um, about her feelings on uh, American Gangster and how they kind of romanticized the relationship between Mickey Barnes and and Bumpy. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble or offend, but but um, but yeah, she uh, it was a Hollywood version of of their relationship, I think. Well, we'll leave it at that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, so let's talk about let, let's talk about the audition because you've been in a lot of Spike Lee joints, um, and and I heard you had the audition. You know, even for each one of those. How about this um, uh, TV show? Who called you? Where were you? You know, what were you drinking, eating? <laughs> what, what's going on? It it was really it was kind of a wild ride. You know, I um I was I was I just wrapped uh, I think my first and last season of a show called Deception that was on ABC. It was great fun, but very, very different than, than Godfather. Um, and the season was airing and I was kind of, you know, loving tuning into that and, and hoping that we'd get a second season. And then I had a good friend of mine um, who's really been a great supporter, who's also incredibly linked into the, you know, the, the world of film and television. And he said, hey, my, my friend Chris Broncato, who created Narcos, he's got this new show that he's going to be casting pretty soon called the Godfather of Harlem. You know, I, I wondered if, if, uh, you know, you'd want me to put you in touch or if I should put him in touch with your agent or managers or, and I was like, ah, I kind of, I kind of, honestly, I kind of like, I, I didn't follow up because I was, I was like, no, I'm focused on Are this show. Now. And yeah. What? Yeah. I, I was Marcos? just, you know, okay. I, I don't know. It, it was it, uh, cr- crazy. In, in, in retrospect, it was, it was crazy for me not to have like, jumped on it but I was I was focused on on the on you know the cast that I'd grown to love on this other show and the crew that I loved and 
Um, and then I found out that we weren't getting a second season. And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, knocking on David Raven's door saying, hey, you remember that show you were talking about where your friend about Harlem <laughs> and Buffy Johnson? And, and, um, and, then, uh, and then I got the script. I was up in Vermont at my favorite. My mom's from Vermont. And we were sitting okay. at our favorite beer garden called Lost Nation up in, like, basically the sticks in northern Vermont. And I'm sitting having a pint and reading this script, and, you know, it's not, it's not every day. You get a lot of scripts, but it's not every day that you get, like, you get ones that really, really resonate and that you just, you know, come alive off the page. And this was that. And I'm, I'm sitting there doing this horrible actor thing, literally reading Mamie's lines out, out loud to my mother, right? Nah. Which is like, a, I mean, it's, like, sickening. It's, it's, it's like... You know, all the kids in drama school who are walking around the hallways singing and, and reciting, you know, Shakespeare at all times. So you just want to say, please, enough, we get it. Um, <laughs> but I got an audition for it, and um, I think I, I put myself on tape at my agency for it and uh, sent that okay. over to Vicki Thomas, who was casting director for it, and um, and then got a, a chemistry read with Forrest in the room. So, you know, I know it's Were you Forrest and, and Mark. I, I, oh my God! I'm I'm like Forrest I'm Whitaker, nervous, like but Forrest I'm also Whitaker, you know Forrest, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, this is so you know it's like it's 1960s. It's period. So now these questions, you know, you always kind of you dress for the audition and what the character is. But I'm thinking like, all right, do I go in there dressed like I'm, you know, do I put on my faux fur and do I, you know, get into the makeup and the hair of it all, or am I really going to yeah, go yeah. for this? Am I going to look crazy? Um, and um. And I and I went in and you know if you walk out of a room feeling like you did the best you could do then it's out of your hands right you know you mm-hmm. prepare and, mm-hmm. and you do the you do the thing um, and uh, and then um, and then I heard oh, what did I hear I heard I heard I I heard it wasn't going forward which was kind oh, of a, a surprise to me because between the chemistry read. And the phone call that I wasn't going for- forward, I, through mutual friends, literally sat next to Chris Broncato, our showrunner, at like a 12-person dinner. And he's like showing me the sizzle reel, and he's like, your tape was amazing. Like this, you know, right. he's getting okay. me all excited about it. And I'm like, wow, this is cruel. This guy got me so excited and then didn't give me the job, right? Like, that's me. Oh, really boy. Cool that's that's the business, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking, but you're like, okay, gather yourself. And then, uh, and then like, the, the next day, uh, my manager, Kate Moran, called me, and she was like, hey, this is so strange. This doesn't happen, but, like, we're back in the running. And then, and then uh, I got a first a text from David Raven, my friend, who initially hooked me up with our showrunner, saying, wow, mm-hmm. look at you, Mamie Johnson. Um, so that was, like, my official um notification that I, that I'd gotten a role before anybody, before my agent or my manager or Broncado. Um, so it was really, it was like a, all kinds of craze. So now how fast do you have to learn your lines um, when you were doing this? Um, did, what was your, what's your process? Um, do you have a pal that you read with? Or I know some actors, there's a software people use nowadays. What was your process in learning your lines? Oh my God. You know what? 
I was actually earlier today listening to your interview with Coleman Domingo, and I was like, oh, oh my God, this right? Is incredibly yeah. uh-huh. valuable information, and I'm going to start listening to more podcasts because this is a gem. <laughs> like my my process, yeah. if you want to know, is just reading reading the words until they're in in my brain and I found that writing mm. them out does that for me too but I need like you know if I'm if I'm being honest to really get them in my bones but two two or three nights is great um mm. to, to 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 allow you know to feel free enough to go on set and not think about not knowing the lines you know and um, yes. and I'm lucky now, in what? that way you know I don't work every day like Forrest on the show who's got new material um you know all the time to learn. So I have a little bit more time than he does. Did you have any like um, bumbles or like, you know, like when you were in the middle of it and everybody started laughing, did you have any crazy moments on set when stuff like that happened? On set? Yeah. Um, God, you know, that like the worst thing to happen is if you get the giggles. Um, because once you get the giggles, they are like impossible to get rid of. I'm trying to think, I think this season... I I went flub free and now I'm gonna knock wood because it means like you know next season I'll probably drop every other line. No, no, that's not. We don't want to jinx you. We, we don't want to jinx you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I, god! I, I love like your when, when you when you get to work, you just you have you just have to be your your one job is to know your words. Like you yeah. know, you can't do too much messing up. <laughs> I love your interaction with um, Giancarlo. Like, you're really charming him. Um, well, I don't want to give stuff away. I was just, just telling you that I have <laughs> watched some of the, the other episodes. But even in the past episodes, you're definitely charming him. I mean, you're a, a gorgeous woman. And you know what I love? That you're tall. I come from a tall family, and I'm actually the short one. I'm Here. like 5'9", but my daughter's taller you're than five me. You're 5'9", and you're calling yourself short. Yes, but listen, my daughter's taller than me. My mom's taller. Everybody's taller than me, right? Um, and so when I saw you, I've seen you on shows, and I'm like, she's tall. Because most people in Hollywood, I mean, you know this, are short. I mean, it, it's just like that's the way it is. Um, a lot of the stars are short. And so when I saw you, and, and um, she's got to have it, and I've seen you in uh, different other things, I'm like, she's really tall. Because, like, I'm looking at your torso, like, I'm like, this is great. This is really great. Like, just seeing you there as a tall woman, <laughs> a, a, a woman of color, Thank you know, you. it's just like all, all the whole package. Do you think, um, was that beneficial? Was that detrimental being tall? Do you think you got turned down or accepted? Like, has that helped you at all or hurt you? I mean, you know, honestly, I had early on one thing that's, that's always stuck with me. I've, you know, I've thrown it away because there's nothing I can do about it. But early on, I was, I was out um, at some cinema society screening. I forget what the film was, but I was chatting with a woman who was introduced to me as a casting director. Um, and, and this is when I had, like, no credits to my name. And I was really, like, you know, I was just, like, breaking my back in restaurants trying to make a living and. She said, like, she basically said, you should give this up because you're very pretty, but you're way too tall to ever make it as an actress. Mm. Um, and, and I, well, I mean, what are you going to do with that information? Obviously, you're not going to let this person who you don't know, you know, kill your dreams. But there's also, you know, this is, this is what I am. So we're just going to have to find male actors and, and projects and, you know, female co-stars who are either of similar statures or, you know, 
where it doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, and the reality is, it really it shouldn't matter. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, it's probably why I got Baywatch because I am the female Dwayne Johnson. I call myself that. Yeah. So how was it working with him? I mean, he's a big sex symbol. Um, was that intimidating? You know, were you nervous with that, or were you like? you know, googly-eyed or you don't like him, that's not your type. I mean, what is the deal? <laughs> no, I mean, you know what? I didn't – I think if I'd grown up watching wrestling, maybe I would have been <laughs> more, like, kind of starstruck. Um, I know my my, uh, my partner was, like – he was a big wrestling fan, so he was like, wow, this is very cool that you're working with The Rock. And he's probably more um, more googly-eyed than I was. But, but no, he's just, <laughs> okay. he's, just a, he's just, like, a solid, you know, wonderful guy, Um just kind and and very very normal um and i mean that in the best way possible yeah i mean he has a really generous heart on on his timelines you always see him doing things um for his fans and things like that so i I really uh, appreciate that about him and his character now tell me about this i read something about you doodling these ladies you you make these sketches Say, say, say this again you make sketches of these ladies. You do them. Oh yeah. What is that? What is that? What's going on? Tell us about. I that. mean, it's so it's so silly. It's so silly. I um, I was reading Seventeen magazine. Uh, you know, once again up in Vermont in like you know the summer of '97, and um, and I saw this sketch that some girl had submitted to the magazine, and I thought it was so cool. So I just started. I don't know. Really really got in my head for some reason. I just started doodling all these versions of this same girl. Um, and it kind of became my thing when I was working in my restaurant job. If we had a slow night, I would just like take post-its and, um, and, and, and draw these girls. And they all had, you know, they, they all looked like different versions of, of themselves. And I'd name them all and give them all funky jewelry and, um, and stick them up on the wall in our coat check. And I think when my last restaurant job, when that closed that place, I think the owner actually like took them all and framed them and has them somewhere. I'd love to see that. But it's nothing. Oh serious. wow! Just, like silly little things. Yeah, but see now, like you're famous and everything, you can make a book and sell it and publish it. I mean, well then that's, I gotta you know, I gotta find out where Matt Abramchek has taken all my sketches because yes, maybe someday they'll be yes. worth something. Look, yeah, like I mean, God forbid, sketches, right? See. See, look at there, look at there. So I also <laughs> read that um, you 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 like the book uh, "Be Here Now." Um, why why do you like that? It's a spiritual book. Um, and and where did you find it, and how did you come about making that your favorite one of your favorite books? Um, it's a book that I've had for probably. 12 or 13 years that I just recently cracked open. It was at another restaurant job. One of the line cooks, um, this older guy named James, gave it to me, and I always thought he was kind of hippy-dippy. He scared me a little bit, to be honest. He was, like, a little strange and very intense um, when I was 19. I just I didn't I didn't get him. But he, uh, he one night gave me this book, and I kind of, like, I said, you know, thank you, and I tucked it away. And then recently I just I started flipping through it and first the illustrations are incredible in it. But the message to be present it just so resonates. Um, you know, especially in twenty twenty when all you know, all we have is now. We're not focused on on the distractions. Um 
you know, that, that generally keep us busy when we're, when we're stuck at home without work. So I think it's just a really simple reminder. Um, and every time you read the book, you come away with something new. Um, it's not something you can just kind of like, I mean, you can flip through it, but um, you could, you could read the book and take a different lesson away from it every time you read it. Did you um, have a favorite moment um, in the shooting of Godfather of Harlem? Favorite moment. Gosh, gosh, gosh. Um, I mean, in terms of like things being surreal and like this is incredible, you know, to, to like get a call sheet and see that we're shooting on my parents my parents' like current block where I grew up is pretty amazing just for like mm-hmm. you know, just like what is happening in the universe? That kind of thing is, is nuts. Yeah. But um but God, I, you know, our fittings are so fun because we really, we really get dressed. You know, um, everything matters. Everything is is really intentional. Um, uh, you know, our costume department is so wonderful. Um, working working daily with Forrest. I mean, like to get to 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 see him do what he does is just like it's it's like I don't know I don't know fun. You know, I'm not like. <laughs> Um, like, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, he's if, that's, I don't know if that's like a great enough word to describe it, but it's just like these moments of like, wow, this is like, this is my life. This is awesome. Um, you know, moments of real gratitude and appreciation. So let's, let's talk about a couple of things. What's your favorite place to visit in the globe now that we can't, but where, where would you go if you could? I, I mean, God, I, I, w- I would go to Rio in a heartbeat if I could if I could easily get on a plane and, and feel safe and confident going there right now. Have you been? Yeah. No, I have not, but Isn't it's it... on my bucket list. It is on my bucket list. Um, have you, you have been before? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going uh, quite a bit a few years ago, and then, and then I started to be employed, so I had to stop going to Rio. Oh, dad nabbit, dad nabbit, that employee. I know that's silly work. <laughs> I know. Oh boy, isn't isn't oh it gosh. funny though when you're young and when you're young and broke, you have all the time to travel, and like when you can actually like afford to get on a plane and maybe buy a nice meal somewhere, like you just you can't get away. <laughs> you can't get away. I mean, we, look, Americans work too much anyway. You know, like, you know, Europeans, are, they take off like two months or things. Of course, certain class of Europeans, not all. Of them. <laughs> but, you know, um, we, we work too much over here. What were you doing during this COVID thing? I mean, how were you keeping busy um, and, and not losing your mind? Oh, gosh. God, I guess the same way everybody else was. Home workouts, bread baking. Um, I got some paint. <laughs> bread Turns baking? Out I'm, Are I'm you? <laughs> bread baking? Oh, my God. My So my guy, for his sister, um, is basically, she's like one of those annoying women that's like great at everything she does, like everything. Okay. So she got a starter um, for sourdough and and gave, a, gave it to us. And we, uh, he started baking like sourdough bread basically every day, which was incredible. Oh but then I was like, wait a second, I'm literally eating like, like a loaf every other day, and oh gosh, and I'm eventually gonna have to get back to work, so we're gonna have to find a new hobby. But but no, I mean you know in, ser- in all seriousness, um, you know there was some there was some you know dark moments of feeling like man this is this is like what is life right now? What's going on? You know, but 
all in the same boat. Where do you think it's heading now? Uh, What direction? Do you think the vaccines and all those things will help us get back to normal? Or do you think people, because they're not listening and wearing masks, it's just going to keep ebbing and flowing? What's your take? I mean, I, you know, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't, I really honestly don't know where we're at. I think it's great that, I mean, so many people that I've known have gotten the vaccine and it seems, there seems to be, you know, confidence um, among friends and family and colleagues in it. Uh, So that's wonderful and reassuring, but, you know, and as much as you want things to be lively and life to be back to normal, there's such a disconnect between what we're hearing from, you know, the CDC on, on, potential waves coming and um, and then what you see mm-hmm. when you're walking down the street, which is, uh, you know, in New York at least, it's it's a real, like, bustling spring days these days, um, which, you know, I'm not mad at, but it's like, well, what is this, how does this translate and what does this mean? I don't know, you're, are you in uh, in Pennsylvania? Yes, I'm in uh, Philadelphia. Um, you're in Philadelphia. What's how- it like there? Well, I mean, I see people who don't wear masks. Um, I try to stay away from them. I still wear my mask. Yeah. I still do yeah. six feet apart. I did get my vaccine. So, you did? Um, yes, I did. Now, I will tell you the second vaccine, I had the Pfizer. The second one, I got this huge, like, high rash thing on my arm. No way. And it was, like, hot, and it was, like, I was, like, oh, my God, my arm's going to fall off. No, I mean, I wasn't like that. But I just was, like, you know, I did go to the doctor yeah. and, like, hey, you want to tell me what's going on here? And they were just, yeah. like, they're getting all kinds of – everybody has a different reaction. You know, they yeah, have the – that's just – You don't know, yeah, you know, and, so um, – You know, as, as bad as a, a rash is or hives are, it's a lot better than getting COVID, I can tell you. Exactly. I know doctors who, who've lost other doctor friends to COVID, and there's people in the world that think it, it doesn't exist. I'm like, yeah. what? I, I, have, a, I have a hard time having those conversations. I have a hard time having those conversations. <laughs> I can't have those conversations. I can't have a conversation. Yeah. So uh, who, let me ask you, who would you like to act with after Forrest? Uh, what, what's what's on your plate? I mean, who, who is, who's after, on your vision After this board? season? After this season? You, I mean, hopefully yeah. just keep going. Okay. But I'm just saying, like, you know, if, if you had a if you had your like, you know, genie and, and it was like you got three wishes, who's who's the who are the actors? Who are the actors I'd love to work with? Yes. Oh, oh gosh. Um whew, where to start? I mean God, there are so many people who are doing such such incredible work right now. I mean, I think Regina King, like, I'd love to act with her, but I'd also like to act for her. I think she's, like, incredible mm-hmm. what she's doing. She's mm. just, like, total powerhouse of a woman. Um, yes, yes. I'd, lo- I'd love to work with Andre Day because I, I don't understand where this woman has come from and how she can be as incredible as she is. Like, I don't know if you saw United States versus Billie Holiday, but... What? I mean, ama- like, I mean, wow. Where did she come from? I, I mean, I know she's a talented singer, but my God, like, talk about yeah. God-given talent. This woman is like, she's she's it's like uh, everybody has the hidden the hidden talent. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you never know. Maybe you're a singer. I, I think I'm definitely not a singer. Um, definitely not a I singer. Didn't okay. See, we okay. didn't see the episode where Jean Carlo and I. Uh, are are in a a protest and have to lead our our uh, 
our gang in uh, in in song. It's it's painful. Oh right, I, where you're leaning oh. and you wouldn't move. You, you're like they're like telling you to move, and they're like, no, we're not going to move. Oh well, that's the first season. So Mamie is is a it's a big community activist. Season two and yeah. in season one, she's just like a you know a budding activist. But when we find her in season two, she's like really stepped into those shoes, which is which is awesome and great to see her like outside of the house. Um, but but yes, a singer, I uh, I am not. I am afraid. You're not. <laughs> I mean, you know, I can well, I, I can wanna... carry a tune, but I wouldn't yeah. compare my singing to Andre Day's acting. Let's put it like that. Okay. All right. We'll we'll say that. <laughs> Let's just tell the people that the show is coming uh, April 18th at 9 p.m. Um, and I want to thank you so much for coming on the show this evening, and I wish you so much luck. I'm going to call Regina, and I'm going to talk to, you know, everybody. Yeah, tell Regina. You know, say, hey. like, get her in something now. I mean, not now. Say, Let her finish. Gr- but, there's like, this get girl in. from Harlem who, yeah, exactly. Yeah, girl from Harlem. This is a black <laughs> child. She needs she need a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. You have a great evening, all right? You as well. It's been a real pleasure. Okay. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just want to thank you. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram. I want to give away a copy of Be Here Now, the book we were talking about just now in the interview. So definitely want to follow at Joy Keys or Facebook, or on Instagram. You guys have a wonderful evening. Talk to you later. Every year, millions of Americans are exposed to a contagious virus. What is this virus? It's stigma. Stigma promotes an environment of shame, fear, and silence, which prevents millions of people from seeking help. But there's good news. The National Alliance on Mental Illness believes stigma towards mental illness is 100% curable. So do yourself and everyone a favor. Go to CureStigma.org and get tested for stigma.